Morgan, how you doing today? Good, thanks, Parry. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Um, been a hectic week, but we're here. One week post re- post my release, two weeks post yours, three weeks post yours. Yeah, they're out in the world. It's weird, hey. Oh man, it's. I've never, I've never shared music like this before. It's been years of me working on it by myself, in my room. So you know, people hearing it and people telling me that they've heard it and how they feel about it, it's pretty wild. Yeah, how has the response generally been? Is it positive? Is it a bit of relief? I mean, no one's called me and said it's been shit yet. Um, <laughs> if they think that, hopefully they just keep that to themselves. But yeah, just a lot of really lovely messages from people who are like, I'm not even sure listen to this kind of music normally. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it's it's been beautiful. Um, a bit overwhelming at points, but like, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like releasing the music has sort of like reconnected you to a lot of people that you might not have expected to reconnect with or like be in touch with people yeah. that you didn't expect to or you I know in touch people that I you th- didn't expect to I, th- I definitely i definitely think that um because like i don't know you you get scared that it'll just like fall into the abyss and not really be heard by anyone um and then yeah it like people who have messaged me like I, I wouldn't, you know, I'd love to see them, but like I wouldn't message them under normal circumstances. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely reconnected with me with people like that. It brings people together, man. It's not a cliche. It's the power of it, hey. For context, which I probably did say in the intro, I don't know because I haven't recorded the intro yet. <laughs> but just to make sure if I don't, um, Morgan has recently released an EP, Anzac Bridge Filter. It's out now on Lovejoy, self-released effectively. Yeah. Um, and you've been doing the Lovejoy thing for a long time been DJing for a long time now the music's out but it feels like the music has been sort of a long time coming for you as well so has putting it out been like has it been does it feel like you're reaping the rewards now of a lot of hard work or do you feel like it's all hard work now or is it excitement is a relief just what's that initial feeling like after working on music for so long it's it's weird because yeah I definitely started making music uh, I'm 26 now I started when I was 20 um, and started Love Joy three years ago or just over three years ago now amazing so um yeah it kind of you know make the music then I was like well I want to show this music to people so then I started DJing a bit later on <laughs> then I was like no one's booking me because no one knew who I was um so I was like, better throw my own parties yeah <laughs> and then yeah obviously it came more organic after yeah. that like, we'll, we'll dive into yeah. the whole love joy creation yeah so. um but like seeing <laughs> That's what we're doing. Literally, these microphones are so sensitive. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, it's. It definitely feels like it's been a long time coming. But we might just pause one second. <laughs> sorry, to get the round through. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all um, Yeah, beautiful. Um, and we'll dive way more into like you know Lovejoy and how we got to Lovejoy and why how Lovejoy came to how it is today because I think it's a big part of the narrative that it makes. Mm puts the EP in such like significant sure. context with Sydney and I stuff like I've wasted an answer <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not trust me I'm a good interview I know what I'm doing I know I navigate this stuff um, so you were producing for a long time when was the point that you when you went from producing like learning and mastering your craft and understanding what producing is when did you feel like you got to a point where hang on like this music sort of could be released it could you know see <laughs> Uh, like the latter day there's been many points but like I often still don't feel like that mm. it's it's a tough one because it's 
it's never going to be done. The yeah. music's never, the ne- it's never finished, you know. Um, at least it's never been for me. It's, it's, it's out there in the world, but it's not, it's not done. Um, but there have been many points where I'm kind of like, oh, I would listen to this, like maybe play it at a party. No one knows it's my song, but people are still dancing. And I'm playing like an unmastered version of my own song after like a, a four-tet track or something yeah. like that. And, you know, it's not, it's not blowing the room up just as much, but it's still... I know it's it does its job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, I think playing like you know, songs early on when I first started DJing and like them not clearing the floor, that was those were really <laughs> nice moments. Um, and like Definitely. Even, even seeing people like Shazam songs at house parties <laughs> that I've made, like I think those little moments are like I'm like oh, but in, on a personal level, you, you confidence comes in waves. Yeah, you know, like you're listening to a song and like this is, this is it. This is my best song yet. And you come back. Two days later, you're like, I'm glad I didn't explore yeah. that and send it to everyone. <laughs> I was just feeling really good the other night. And do a full DJ service across <laughs> the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for this EP, what do you think got it over the line? What made it so that, all right, these four songs have to be together? What was that, you know, extra bit of push that was like, this is going to be the debut EP? I guess, like, you've got to have a first. But I, these songs... They, they took a while to come together and they all came from kind of different parts of my life. Like, they were, wasn't written all at once. It was kind of... And a yeah. lot of the songs, like, a lot of the songs I didn't expect to have on there, I kind of had the couple that, you know, I, I thought would be out of my first EP and then I, you know, fell, fell out of love with them. And then, yeah, it kind of... They formed a story in my mind. Like, that's yeah. kind of... That's kind of how it all happened. Um, the last song to get written was the first song on the album, which wasn't what I expected to yeah. have. Yeah, it just felt right the way they all fit into each other. But so was it more um, just to dive into your creative process and like the narrative of building it? So it was way more like I'm just writing songs and like hang on a second, the songs fit with themselves naturally. Yeah. Or was there was there initially a point being like, oh, I'd love to have an EP out and like I sort of wanted to look and sound like this. Was it a bit of both, or was it more um, just like all all for lack of a better word, vibes? Yeah, it was. I feel like I was kind of doing a couple things wrong with this EP, like maybe mixing too many different genres together in its own way, which I don't think is, I don't think I've done that. I don't think anyone could really do that unless Mm. they really go for it. But when I was putting, bolting it all together, you know, it was kind of like, oh, this, this may be a bit too wide reaching for itself. But, um, yeah, it just kind of felt right. The songs felt right together and I was like, it's time to put music out into the world so when do you start writing it like the first even though you didn't know it would have been an EP or would have made it an EP when did you first put pen to paper on a song that ended up on the EP I think it's actually um, so Wunderbar is the first song uh, on the EP that I wrote and I think I wrote that in 2018 oh, I thought you were going to say 2000 yeah no no um, <laughs> I was a pretty talented six year old uh, yeah, it was 2018, and um, it was it was quite a big, yeah, it's quite a big moment for me. I think I remember, like, I, I submitted the song for a uni assignment, and I remember, like... That's so cool. Um, like, the night before Strawberry Fields in 2018, I was, like, staying in Melbourne on my sister's couch. Um, I was with Jack as well. We stayed up watching shit TV till, like, 4am, and I was like, oh, shit, I've... I've got to um, I've got to export this and submit it for a uni assignment before we go to this festival tomorrow. So I stayed up for another like forty minutes and just made all these like little changes and that 
I, I had to shorten it for the assignment. Yeah. And that's actually the version on the EP. That's um, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shout out. Go to uni, kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go to uni if you can submit what you love for the assignments. You pass those classes. Can't promise anything about the other classes. <laughs> but, um, and yeah, there's there's a little there's a little piece on that on the EP that uh, was written before that earlier that year in 2018. But it's not really part of any of the songs. It's kind of just snuck in there. Yeah. Um, that's all I'll say about that. But. Secret. Top secrets reveals. Um, that's so beautiful, yeah. Like that, it's sort of created from the uni assignment, but you also with the uni assignment, you were able to make music that was true to yourself as well. I feel like that, that's rare. Uh, to be entirely honest, I was just submitting music I was already making. Um, <laughs> but thankfully, they liked it. Um, that's yeah. One of the cool things about studying music at uni is you can kind of just justify your music for the yeah. uni assignment. Like, oh, yeah. What's like the reception to electronic music in like the in the uni music world at the conservatorium um which is where i study it's they're very open to it i have some some teachers some lecturers there who i would say are like way deeper into electronic music than i am i don't know if you've ever heard of like electroacoustic music but i would say it's more stressful than any breakbeat any any <laughs> i mean i sound into it yeah it's like it doesn't really follow a tempo per se but it's like all these sounds hitting you from every angle. Sometimes they operate in like, uh, like five point sound, and they, it's it's ridiculous. Like the sound design that goes into it, That's it so kind cool. of breaks the format of what's a song. So I've had I've been exposed to that kind of stuff. And yeah. Fun. Um, and like, yeah, there's like while there are a lot of students there who like you know electronic music isn't part of their life. Yeah. They're too deep in Bach or whatever. Like, yeah. They're you know they're they're playing they're playing ridiculous instruments. That are quite niche, playing them super yeah. well. You got to you got to go down the rabbit hole for that. I feel perfect. Yeah. Um, but I think people are you know open to it. Maybe they there is a bit of like oh uh, instruments are a dying art form in this day and age, which is something I agree with. Yeah, with that sentiment, like people, it's not as it's not as vital for people to be able to play really well, and that is a shame. But, yeah, you know, it's open up new possibilities. I feel like I I didn't ask that question in like. <laughs> do they hate electro? Do they hate no, techno? No. <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely curious, mm. but that's positive to hear. But I feel like there's always going to be a space because, like, we are humans and like just the way our brains work. To see someone play like a classically trained piano is always going to be appealing totally. for any sort of human because, it, like, I think naturally we appreciate like how skillful that is to do because, like, I couldn't even tap my fingers together while like <laughs> rubbing my head or like you know doing one of those yeah, things. Yeah. Um, but also, I think, like, in the commercial world, it's, like, I think music being, creating music being as, as accessible as possible to as many people as possible is an overall positive thing, yeah. I guess. It's, it's good. It's, accessibility is a beautiful thing. Um, Facts. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> like, if people can get down to it, but it shouldn't govern everything you do. Mm-hmm. That's a little tangent. Um, Bro, we've got, yeah. we got hours to speak. <laughs> this is tangent, have Yeah, it? like, I, there's this seeing like really talented musicians play is something you can't capture in a recording yeah and hearing it in like a different space you know being in a room like with people feeling the same way as this music yeah you know kind of bombards you like it's probably one of the most powerful musical experiences i've ever had is seeing niels from play in the opera house it's just like an insanely talented player yeah his fingers are ridiculous uh he plays a lot of mainly (laughs) keyboard related stuff like i for anyone who hasn't seen any Niels Fromm stuff, it, 
listen to him, yes, but also watch videos of him performing it. It's it's completely insane. Like you play like three keyboards consecutively while well, died. It's just beautiful music. Yeah. Um, it's. Do you feel like having that music trained or like that separate ear for music in another world that say, and not to just gas yourself up with this question, but please gas yourself up if you feel like it. Um, do you feel like having that, you know, both like the uni edge, but also the taste in the classical and the, you know, that sort of music that I know nothing about. Do you feel like it gives you an edge when, not an edge, but like, does it feel like it helps a lot when you're creating like an electronic song or, you know, the music you make now? Yeah, I, I get influences from absolutely everything I listen to. Yeah. And like, I guess there's the aspect of, I know that, that, that music, it, it, it relies so much on how the notes work together, which is something that like, I'm not, I still can't read music like very well at all. Yeah. I've kind of not, I've tried to learn, but then I've just gotten frustrated and been like, I want to do something that has immediate outcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like just the understanding of how all the, it all comes together really helps. And you know, if you hear something good, it'll stick in your head. Exactly. And that, my brain kind of, uh, it'll pick up a, melody or chord progression and kind of try to analyze it it won't be like this uh this i don't know kind of yeah it, it won't really break it down too much but the sounds are what's in there yeah and i kind of hear it and just keep hearing it and hear it in different ways yeah. and put a kick drum over it in my mind and then you know sit down at the laptop and i don't want to say i'm ripping like riffs out of old songs but you know i promise it's not, yeah, <laughs> not not consciously anyway yeah <laughs> yeah it is a subconscious thing though probably it's just like a pattern of thinking oh totally and yeah. just how that you know translates and stuff but yeah it's very i've just found it very inspiring to hear all this be be shown all this music yeah either through you and you're just looking like i've always been interested in it um and you, you can kind of burn out listening to you know techno all the time minimal yeah 12 hours a day yeah it's like like there have been periods where I've, that's all i've listened to for like weeks on end but like there's also times where i can't listen to that i can only listen to soul yeah and, listen, and then soul can sometimes be not enough or too much and then yeah there's no other style stuff and it's all inspiring in so yeah do you know with the the last question i just asked mm. i feel like i can definitely tell like there's definitely an extra edge there there's definitely like your musicality to all of it like in Wonderbar like there's like the beautiful piano chords with like the acid run behind it and that's like just genius for me um, just because I'm so used to like electronic music being obviously like I listen to like obviously like the Andrasses and the, all the downtempo ambient stuff is very much using this sort of world as well but like it is a touch dancier but one of the most interesting things for me is knowing my experience with Lovejoy in the past and like the sound I expect from Lovejoy is the other end of that which is like a super positive thing as well just like roaring minimal (laughs) at two flies just like just really uplifting positive dance music so do you feel like a big part of this release is to sort of show like we're multi-dimensional too like it's we're not just you know your favorite party starters where you can also make sort of thought out music as well yeah i um i guess like i get for Wunder, wunderbar i wrote that song before i ever played it two flies you know <laughs> uh, rest in peace but um but yeah it's um i guess like jack and i have always listened to a huge range of music you know like and that's something we've bonded on 
um, like a, uh, the radio show we do. It's kind of yeah. like shouts, no man. Yeah, soon, soon they will rise again. <laughs> We've got a big announcement coming soon. You may have, we may have just followed it, but no, Oscar, please don't have me. <laughs> Continue. Um, yeah, it's like I, I don't know if the release is to is to show that it's just what how it's always been. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, um, what represents that? Yeah, I, I could never just stick to one genre. Yeah, I've never tried, but I, it's never felt appealing. You know, I feel like with my listening pattern, sometimes I'm very one dimensional. It'll be like one week of purely golden era hip hop. Then the next week will be like glitchy avant-garde jazz hip hop. And then like two weeks later, it's just like um, trance. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like such a, like a, just like, okay, we're going to absolutely demolish this sound until I'm sick of it and then swap to the next thing. And I guess the fun part for me is like, I'm the same way. And then it's kind of, how do those sound? How do those sounds fit together? Yeah, like, you know, you put them all on cool. the same USB, and you're like, you start noticing that, like, I don't know some trance songs are 160 BPM, yeah, and then a hip hop songs 80 BPM, and like, they they can fit. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it often doesn't make sense. You you wouldn't hear those two songs and be like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make those go into each other, and like, it's, it's not you shouldn't do that every mix. Yeah. but like you. Like that's where the fun is, yeah. kind of seeing how these things can link up and like. Well, all music, especially, like, because they all like, especially hip hop and house music are such similar arts, in my opinion. Everyone I show that comes from my hip hop circle, I'm like, listen to this Luca Lozano, Mr. Ho song, and like, tell me you don't enjoy it. And it's such similar art forms with like yeah. same textures and tones, just a different drum beat. Well, Luca Lozano and Mr. Ho in particular, are like, so. So inspired by hip hop yeah. and trance, and partic- like the yeah. so cool. Yeah, uh, they're big inspiration for me, <laughs> particularly some Luca Lozano productions that I was lucky to hear early on before I really knew what was up. Mm. Not that I completely know what's up now, but I got a better idea. Yeah, and yeah, um, they're very inspiring for me. Were you at the um the show they played upstairs at the Lands? Uh, I was. That was the pelvis party. Oh hilarious. my god, um, that was such a good night. <laughs> so like the, earlier that night, um, Jack and I played a gig somewhere else. Um, and it kind of it was just, an, you know, not many people out, like went to another party before that, not many people there. Um, and it was a like good act playing. And then I was like, oh, I was, I had a ticket to this. Yeah. I was like walking there. I was like, man, Sydney's so depressing right now. Like, oh, that's, that's so sad. Like there's nothing going on. And then I get to the lantern and it's, it's exploding. And I was like, oh, I think, fuck. The line down the stairs, like, yeah, it was just chaos. Like, um, and like they played amazingly, but that night I... Degrade played after them yeah. and that was like one one of the best sets I've heard in Sydney maybe ever yeah. uh, they are a particularly good DJ and I actually the song Cars Rain off the EP is pretty much not entirely inspired but very inspired by the set they did at Soft Centre in 2018 yeah. I haven't told them that um, I've been a bit nervous to do it and they're a very warm person who I've talked to online about <laughs> booking them but like you know yeah that was one hell of a set. I feel like people are super receptive to, like, I feel like it's such an underrated thing, especially in underground scenes sometimes. Oh, my God. Choo-choo. Steam engine. Um, where is there a train line? <laughs> <Get it. laughs> um, I feel like people in underground communities are so 
receptive to, but people are so afraid to give feedback. Yeah. I, like, it's one thing that I really struggled with for a while, where I was like, oh, I really like this person, and I see them out. Not like this person, like I have a crush on. Yeah. As in, like, really just, like, am inspired by what they do. Yeah. No matter what the scale is. And I'm so afraid just to go up and be like, hey, it's, you're it's sick. It's terrifying, because you don't want to put people on pedestals. Yeah. Like, there are some, like, Sydney DJs that... Yeah, you know, kind of like I was like, oh my god, it's them. And then when I've talked to them, I've kind of had that in my mindset, like, oh my god. And then yeah. they're just people who just want to have, you know. Oh, know, we have a long conversation <laughs> on this podcast about our eighty-two e, like just <laughs> like god tier, just like yeah. They're so down, they're like <laughs> just you know the the highest strata of Sydney DJs in my mind, at least. They're all incredibly down to earth when I've had the chance to talk. Yeah, to exactly. Them. But it's you know it's hard not to be like oh, and so. I think it's that just if you don't go in with that mindset then it all yeah it all works fine but because <laughs> people are just humans like yeah. it's not that yeah you also don't want to like I have seen it happen where people like it looks like people are sucking up a little bit yeah I don't know I don't think you should be scared of doing that but it's also like you don't want to well it just depends on the context yeah, really. like yeah. you want to respect people's space and absolutely like if they're like if you're about to go on and DJ and someone's like I really love Love Joy it's yeah. like bro like, oh no I appreciate it it's just like um, yeah I've, I've you know no one should put me on a pedestal I'm a very flawed human <laughs> exactly <laughs> once or oh, at Opera Bar this is funny story um the first picnic Opera Bar some like some not to shoot my own horn but some like this big group of like absolute pests walk in <laughs> And I'm just sitting with, like, like everybody was there that week. But, like, I'm just sitting with my friends, like, tight-knit friends, just, like, keeping the lid on, like, very low-key. Yeah. And this guy walks in and goes, Parry Talks! <laughs> and that's how you do it, friends. Yeah. Don't come up and be like, I'm a, like, oh, I really like what you do. No, just scream my name. That's all I want. Yeah. Don't say anything after. <laughs> yeah, just walk away. Wow. Beautiful pest. Bro, Luca Lozano is so... Yeah. But, like, I think the thing about Sydney and the energy of Sydney... But, like, the thing about a pelvis party is <laughs> undeniable good times. And for them to be able to book someone like those two and the entire lineup is just brilliant. Yeah, agreed. And the, I just, you know, we just love pelvis. We're good friends of the show. Just shout out to, you know, they all... I feel like every, every show we need to shout out pelvis. So. I think it was Alien. <laughs> oh no, it was both. It was oh, Breakbeat Chaos yeah. and Pelvis. Ah, not even Breakbeat, yeah, not even Alien. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lovejoy, music, Morgan Huggins, you make music. Let's dig in the concept of it a bit because there is a fair bit of sentiment, I think, behind it with both the imagery, the song titles, the name of it. Um, the Anzac Bridge is such an iconic and I think underrated part of Sydney because people. It's the best bridge in Sydney. I just want to make that clear. I, I feel that way strongly, yeah. Because um, I feel like it is, people think of Sydney as like the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House, but I feel like when you're from Sydney, not from Sydney, but when you live in Sydney, the Anzac Bridge, like, technically and is very useful. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, getting I, from that part of the world to the city, like, I, it saves so much time. I grew up, like, in, in Lilyfield, so... Yeah. Oh. I, you know, that bridge was a huge part of my life. It's how, it's how I got anywhere. Driving through it, looking at those... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and then, I don't know, I, my, my music's very nostalgic, I think, um, and that's like such a landmark. So I lived in Melbourne for a long time, and then 
when I moved back here and just like kind of walked past that bridge for the first time, I was like, oh, it feels feels a bit like I'm home. Yeah. And yeah, this this EP was written while I was living in Glebe, like really close to Blackwater Bay. Yeah. So I just go down to the bay all the time and like just you know walk walk around it, listen to music I was making at the time, listen to other people's music. And just looked at that bridge, walk over it, walk under it, probably explore that area pretty extensively. Yeah. Thinking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for rave spots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, there's too many apartments around there now. True, yeah. Although, um, you know, the big, the big, uh, the power station, like on, you know, the Balmain side yeah. of the bridge, there used to be raves thrown there in the 90s. That's so cool. It's, it's like, it's obscene to think about that now. Yeah. It's such an off-limits place, but like that. Talked to a few older heads and they're like, yeah, the parties there were pretty damn fun. Yeah, that's so crazy. All right, one last sidetrack yeah, before we really dig in yeah, again. Sorry. Um, I'd love to dig way more into the history because I feel like I understand the context of Sydney, like just pre-lockout and then post-lockout oh, and then after that. But I feel like I have no idea about... It's a deep history. Yeah, what? There's a couple of really good Facebook groups I've been lucky to sneak onto even though I have no experience of the 90s rave scene in, in Sydney. And like they're posting all photos and stories, and essentially, it's it was a it was a different city. Like it was yeah. far more wild. Like there was, I think Australia's you know as time goes on, there's more rules in response to things. Um, so well, I guess that's the '90s universally. It was just yeah, a bit more a bit more wild. And like I, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom when we went there, but like the just like the music coming out of that time as well. There's mm. like like so much good Australian trance and breakbeat and like itchy and scratchy all that sort of so cool yeah um it and kind of you get a sense of i don't know how how much the cultures existed beforehand and like you are carrying something on even though it feels a bit disconnected because yeah all this time and the people on the scene are completely different like if you see a photo from like these people who are now like in their 50s young and young and mounted in some <laughs> stadium yeah you're like you, you absolutely resonate with them even, yeah even if it's like 1989 or something like it's so much time has passed but like you know they were where we are where yeah. once and it kind of makes you realize that like we will be where they are now yeah hopefully you know in our 50s telling yeah. tales <laughs> i feel like electronic especially the the electronic music that we engage in you know is very timeless in the fact that people will be releasing songs now that could be come out of the 90s or people still dj stuff from the 80s and 90s yeah. So I feel like there is such a massive just like an overlap in the Venn diagrams of culture totally like entirely because the sonics are the same the energy is very similar I think too I think right now in particular there's like a lot of we're essentially rehashing stuff that was very popular in the 90s yeah. like, um, and I've talked to all the people who own record stores and they're like yeah it's just you know like it just keeps it's a circle now think styles keep yeah. themselves but every time we go back to revisit a style, like I would say, I say trance is kind of the flavor of the moment in my world, kind of techier trance. Big time. Um, and and every time we go back and revisit it, it's like we kind of have a bit more perspective on what worked, what didn't, yeah. what tracks lasted, like what what tracks um, you know, you, what tracks you listen back to, and you're like, oh, this is pretty damn cheesy. Yeah. Like the tropes that that you needed to get shelved and all that sort of stuff. So it's cool. Yeah noticing that I think and especially I relate so much to like the techie trance because like I go to my music library now in terms of like what dance music do I want to listen to or if I'm like if I could curate the perfect set list 
It'd just be like two hours of Rosa Terenzi in DTF. <laughs> yeah, those flavors are so, they're so, uh, like Rosa, DTF, those artists are like huge, huge influence. Um, and I think I, I didn't, it took me a bit longer to get into them because I just needed to open up to those sounds a bit more. Like techno didn't come to me as naturally as other music did. Yeah. But I was shown some amazing parties early on like that, you know, opened my mind to it. And I was like, oh, that's what the paradise yeah. is. I think the, the best way I've heard it described is that house is a feeling and techno is a landscape. <laughs> well, I feel like there's so many blurred lines between... Oh, so many. Because, like, my idea of techno leans way closer to trance than someone in Europe would assume just because of, like, what the Australian sound is. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm... When I listen to techno, I'm thinking of, like, like big rave synths. Yeah, more melodic like, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, in... But not even, like, traditional melodic techno, like... It's yeah. way closer to, like, a Rosa or a DT yeah, yeah. or it's, a more grab would make rather than... than yeah. As opposed to, like, the, the kind of atonal stuff that yeah. doesn't have any particular key. I lo- that stuff is super enjoyable. It does mm. get monotonous to me, unless Big it's time. done really well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. That said, I haven't, I haven't been clubbing in Europe. I haven't felt, felt it the way that you would feel it there. Yeah. So, so got a while to go before I have a real opinion on that. <laughs> But, I, like, as in just to say, like, I feel like us talking about D. Tiffany and Rosa Terenzi being, like, that's trance, that's tech house. They, like, as in they, and, like, all that's close to techno for us. Yeah. But then in Europe, they'd be like, no, nah, like, this is not anything. Like, yeah, it's, um... It's such an Australian sound, I think. <laughs> I even though, uh, like, D. Tiffany's not yeah, even Australian. Yeah, like, I, um, the Canadian sound is, yeah. I think it's all linked up, and, like, you've got all these... Uh, Australian and British producers as well like and people from other parts of the world like Kosh uh, yeah. who's like from, you know uh, Morocco I think and then like artists like Sons who's like a Korean dude like so many so many different I guess like the globalisation of it all the, the internet's kind of meant that these communities can exist where they're not like local scenes anymore they're yeah. kind of like little pockets of culture that like collaborate online now which is pretty cool it's so incredible what about moving to Sydney or like moving back from Melbourne to Sydney? Do you feel like was so eye-opening and was it the nostalgia thing that made it like I want to dedicate this EP to the Anzac Bridge? Say, or not dedicated, but like title it yeah. and have the imagery in reference to it. What was like the big internal trigger for that moving back from Melbourne to Sydney? So I was um I was about to I think I was like twenty two twenty three. And I was about to start a, um, a degree in Melbourne at the, um, the, the music university down there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wait a second, if I, if I start this degree here, I'll probably never leave Melbourne. Or like, I, um, you know, yeah. that'll, that'll be me for the next X amount of years. Um, and I was like, I, well, I'd like to go up to Sydney, spend a year there, just kind of, because I kept coming back for like, you know, family, yeah. family holidays and whatnot, just to see people. And every time I left, I was like, I'm, I'm not done yet, you know, yeah. I want to go back. Um, so I was like, I'll come up here for a year. And then it got to the end of that year and I was like, I'm not done at all. I wonder <laughs> if this is, this feels right. This feels like my home now. Yeah. And like where, where I lived in Melbourne, I lived in this suburb called Box Hill, which is, you know, it's, it's a bit out of the way. It's in the eastern suburbs. And it's like, I had, I had a lot of positive experiences there, but it wasn't really like, it's in a dry zone. You know, there's not really any notable nightlife in that part of the world. So I'd go out in the city and it would take me like, you know, I'd get a night ride at like 5 a.m. 
they'd get back I'd get back at like 7.30 in the morning after like a very long walk yeah. and just be completely done and be like oh that wasn't it wasn't worth it yeah. I was not going to the best nightclubs back then but that's part of life um, the learning curve yeah so like I wasn't like I wasn't really clued in in Melbourne I, I've looked back recently at all like some of the flies for events that happened while I was down there and I was going to like you know clubs like Cloud9 um, maybe Revs if I was in the right place um, like Melbourne Bounce Clubs mainly sick yeah. that's <laughs> bring that back yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I was kind of um, like I I, I I didn't I was really interested in music and listening to a lot of stuff but like I wasn't clued in yet and then yeah. when I came up here I think it was kind of a bit of a refresh like like while I had friends and when I lived here when I was way younger I was like 14 or whatever when I, when I moved away um you know, I only kept connected with some of them through going to festivals and whatnot. And that kind of, yeah, that, like, reconnecting with people who I just had the music in common with. And they yeah. showed me these little worlds they were in. And I, like, was very lucky to be shown the warehouse party scene almost straight away within moving up. Yeah. So I... That would have been a big eye. Oh, uh, it, was, it was ridiculous. Like, the first warehouse party I went to was a vibe positive... Um, <laughs> Who else, to be fair? Like, yeah, why yeah. am I not surprised? <laughs> and it, was, uh, it was Simon TK and Francis Inferno Orchestra back-to-back for, I think, the whole night. Epic. And, like, that was... I don't know, it really blew my mind. Yeah. Is that a... Yeah. That was a... And, sorry, I think I, I derailed the... Really no, it's fine. Question, yeah, no. Yeah, um, so the nostalgia of living back here was mixed with, like... It was... Yeah, I think I'm, like, a nostalgic vampire. Yeah. I feed off that energy and, like... You know, all music takes a bit of energy to make, but for me, it's a beautiful feeling. Like, you, nostalgia is powerful in that you're you're happy and you're sad at the same time. You're looking at something that's past yeah. and you're you're remembering it fondly. But like, it's you know, it, yeah, it's a very distinct feeling. And the happy the happy sadness. Like, I show I show my friends my music, and a lot of them, you know, they they're not that deep into music. Um, and one friend in particular like your music is always so happy sad to me <laughs> that's that's just what happens yeah it's <laughs> my exact yeah, intention it's just how I feel um I read somewhere that you wrote a lot of it traveling up and down the east coast in libraries yeah is um, that true well I would say I finished a lot of it um Nan and Pop so all the songs were kind of written um in like different periods and yeah. I had a big trip planned for the start of start of uh, 2020 mm. and I wrote Nana Pop at the start of 2020 while I was staying with my Nana Pop up the coast um, and so but like you know there's a bit of a bit of a, a space between starting a song yeah, and finishing it and it was like as I was travelling particularly the south coast um, I was down there to work on the, the stage for a little festival thing that got cancelled for COVID may rise again um, <laughs> rest in peace Rombat Hollow <laughs> you'll be back uh, yeah and I was just like down in that part of the world but it's well it's well all the fires were on yeah um, but so I'd be like going around like this kind of trying to soak it up uh, soak up these beautiful places and then I'd be like oh I've got all this I've got all this like energy to work on music now you know you've got a laptop you don't have anywhere to work on it and I was like oh I tried working in cafes and I was like, this just feels weird. I, like, yeah. I, I get distracted there. And I was like, oh, I should go, to a, should go to a library. And I can't remember the first library I went to, but I walked in and I sat down. And I think I got there at like 10 a.m. And they, they had to ask me to leave like three times because I was just so deep in, at like maybe 5 p.m. 
then I went back there every day for like a few days <laughs> went camps further down the line and then just yeah and like just seeing the looks librarians gave me not reading any books not attack, not connecting to the internet just in the box yeah just, just focusing <laughs> I just had my headphones a little keyboard and they're like what what the hell is this guy doing <laughs> like, I, I just regret I didn't talk to any of the librarians while I was there I was kind of so focused on my own little yeah. world but yeah it was, it was it was funny it was funny being in their, their spaces and then just yeah. like maybe never seeing him again no you will yeah, I'll be back in those libraries no because they're coming to your shows <laughs> they'll come to your shows yeah, I hope so I hope so um, how much do you think that the context of not being at a home or at a studio or or just in a different space helped you know create or you know formed itself with the EP like do you think like it did have like a definite influential factor being outside of a comfort zone yeah so with with the EP um, like three of the four songs were written at home but Nana Pop was written like I was just staying up after talking to my grandparents and yeah just like sitting on a table in their living room and you know in a in a house I've known for a very long time um I definitely I definitely write good music when I'm because you can get caught in a rut when you're at home you yeah. kind of just like you're in the same space all the time it becomes normal and like you, you know, it's very easy to burn out or easier to burn out I often write my best music when it's like I don't have my whole studio with me I've just yeah. got like my laptop and like the limited resources that are there um, and it's like sitting on a couch somewhere you yeah. know, somewhere that you don't expect um, space yeah, super informative about that stuff but it's never in the way that you expect it's just making you feel something and yeah like, if maybe someone listened to the song it wouldn't necessarily make them think of where it was like oh i was in yeah i was in someone's living room in the blue mountains or I was, and that's why it sounds yeah, like this. but it kind of those like even if they can't hear it 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 makes sense to me yeah, yeah. beautiful Go buy the EP. What are you doing? Stop. Why are you listening to this? Yeah. If you pause right now, open a new tab, Lovejoy, Bandcamp, it's there. Go get it. Because it's beautiful. Yeah. One thing I did want to dive into, when, like, and properly, like, how did you start DJing? How did you find dance music, electronic music, and then... How did you meet Jack, the other person in Lovejoy, and how did Lovejoy sort of take form, or was it yours initially, and then he was your intern, or? Um, <laughs> You'll hate so, that. J- so Jack and I um, were actually in the same mother's group. Wow. Um, yeah. So like 1994, when we were both born. Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't remember him from it because, <laughs> you know, I was a baby. But um, yeah, it, we were like, it was the kind of. Uh, that area Balmain Lilyfield Mothers yeah. Group um, and yeah we were in it together like our parents remember each other we by all means hung out as babies and then he moved away to uh, to Bulladila because his parents were like oh let's let's give our children the chance of having a, a rural youth you know nice which I'm, I'm jealous I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you got to run around the country and shit um, and he met some by all accounts very fun people out there <laughs> Um, and then he, so he moved back uh, in year, it would have been the start of high school, and we were in the same class, um, and we, we actually formed a band at that point, like we were, you know, friends, you know, like we smoked weed together for the first time, all that sort of thing. Um, Allegedly. Yeah, 
No, it's it's not alleged. It's it's, it's the truth. He may deny it. I'll I'll stand against him in court. Um, yeah, and like you know, we were just friends, like little 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 idiots. But it was a good yeah. time. Our band was pretty bad, but yeah, no, that's part of being in an early high school band. A must. Yeah, a um, necessary step. And so then we kind of you know just like I moved cities. We didn't see each other for a while, um, and then I bought a ticket to uh, like. Uh, to Strawberry Fields, one of my now my favorite festival in the yeah. world, on a whim. Um, none, of, none of my friends from Melbourne were going. Um, that I was, and then actually one of my friends who just turned eighteen, I think I was like twenty one or something. He, um, he, you get a free ticket if you're born on the weekend of the festival. So it was just me and him driving yeah. up, and Jack was like, "Oh yeah, find us and camp with us." And I was like, "Cool, I absolutely will." Yeah. <laughs> driving around the festival, never been to a festival before. I was like. Where, what is this what, yeah. what the fuck's going on and like where where is the campsite um, somehow found it and we just like connected there yeah um, listened to all this beautiful music I remember like hearing Nightwear, Nightmares on Wax play um, and until like, that, that I was with Jack just remember hearing that set and, like getting my eyes open to all all these kinds of music that you could dance to that like yeah. for me were like you know I hadn't explored them yet I hadn't discovered them yet at all like dub jungle like yeah you know, that was so so eye-opening for me and i think i remember looking over at him and like Whoa, what the what the hell is this and like you know that <laughs> yeah powerful memories um and then yeah we kind of kept reconnecting while we still lived in different cities like he came down to melbourne a few times came up to sydney a few times and just kind of you know that kept yeah. happening and then when i moved up to sydney um we just spent heaps of time together you know we're so interested in such similar things yeah um he actually the first time i ever dj'd was he had like a tractor controller at his house when i was up in sydney and he kind of like showed me he's like you know playing trap music at the time he's like yeah check this out like you can like loop it and this little, I was like, future bass whoa whoa it was mind-blowing and then i went home and bought a little bought a little uh midi controller but i didn't get a midi controller with jog wheels so i had to program yeah. all the midi controls then I was like, why is it so hard to beat match? Um, it, was, it was a pretty fun introduction. I feel well, The perfect hand in the world. Yeah, I feel, I feel jealous for all the people who get to use CDJs for the first time or get to learn on records because yeah. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and yeah, so Jack and I kept hanging out, kept going to parties, kept going to warehouse parties in particular and being like, this is, this is the best thing. Um, and we, we threw our first uh, park rave with a group of friends who I hadn't met um, in, until we threw the rave together, like he knew wow. them vaguely through other people. Who were they? Um, there's a. Oh, I've just yeah, uh, well, yeah. well, like, We called ourselves the Interdimensional Rave Squad because someone just named the groups, the group chat that. Nice. Um, but like, yeah, it's just a really good group of friends who have yeah. kept talking with ever since. Like they're the people who have. That group of people is probably who has informed my musical taste the most out of any friends. Yeah. And we just share so much music. Um, and yeah, we threw these park raves, and I remember the, like, to, I had my first gig the week before the first park rave. It was at the Two Wolves, um, yeah, like opposite Broadway. And it was for, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of the party off the top of my head. It was for a beautiful community party that yeah. a friend film was throwing. Um, Move for Mood, um, and I played from six thirty till seven thirty upstairs. People were still up there eating dinner. Like, yeah. And by my friends came and they were sitting down nodding their heads and I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, why, am I, why am I playing music that I yeah. care so deeply about uh, to these people eating dinner? Um, 
Uh, but you know, it was a fun night. The dinner yeah. sets are a necessary <laughs> yeah. process. I was I was so amped up for it, playing like proper dance music to like people eating eating beautiful burritos and whatnot. Um, yeah, and then Jack and I were sitting in like the the outback area of that, like trying to think of a name to DJ under for the next weekend in this park rave in Calum Park, and we talking about The Simpsons. I'm pretty sure and we're like, what about Reverend Lovejoy? And we're like, oh, that's how famous. about just Lovejoy? Lovejoy. <laughs> Then it stuck. So that yeah, we performed together as that. Um, I think the first song played was "I Want You in My Soul" by the Lovebirds, which I think is still an amazing song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then we just kept throwing park raves with yeah. that group, and then it got to early in the next year, and we were like, "Let's, let's do it. Let's throw a warehouse yeah. party." And that's kind of how it started. And well, I think I'll have Jack on soon, and we can dig into the oh, yeah. the rest of that. Uh, I don't want to give it all away. He's got plenty <laughs> to say about it. Exactly, we can save the epic, the stories for him. But that's just the beginning. Yeah, let's skip all the way to now. How's how do you in a we haven't talked about COVID much, which is great, but I think now's the time. How do we feel? How do you feel the energy is in Sydney right now? How do you feel the energy going forward will be? Um, like what's just your opinion on because I feel like you would have an opinion on the I've whole reopening maybe a thing. couple yeah people are just so hungry and yeah. like everyone is very very happy to like not go out like it's yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely necessary for so long and then it gets to a point when you know others like Perth reopened for a while and it's kind of just very tantalising seeing videos pop up of these amazing raves happening yeah. in Perth and like you're like yeah Perth, you do it, you know, if you please, you go for yeah. it because we're not allowed to wave the flag, yeah. yeah. And then you see Melbourne go through all the shit that Melbourne went through last year. Heart goes out to them, all my friends and family, and just everyone yeah. down there. And then you know, they came through that and they're like, All right, now we can now we can have nightlife again. Um, and we're all sitting up here, like, there. I remember the right before Christmas when we had that, you know, that the Northern Beaches outbreak, yeah. Um, and life was opening up again. Um, and then you know it happened and we had to cancel everything I got to DJ once yeah you played the one the one weekend oh you my DJ'd. god uh, that was that was great Tokyo Sing Song yeah and so at that party to go on a tangent there's like when we got there talked to the DJs who played earlier like oh the, cl- the crowd's pretty rowdy there's a lot of chanting a lot of young munted energy some chants not so good I'm not really a fan of any chanting yeah. in that club in general but we got oh, down there and nothing. we talked to uh, to Frieda and Jackson who were playing beforehand and they were like Oh yeah, so all these like group of people at the front who they were who they were the chanters like yeah they're separate they're celebrating an 18th birthday and they're they're all 18 and they all turned 18 during COVID they're oh my like, god they've yeah. never been out before and they're like I was like oh my god if if I heard the music that the Frieda and Jackson were playing that night on the first night I ever went out <laughs> I'd be a different man yeah. I'd be a way better person like, <laughs> there's just there's no way. Um, it was such a such a fun set because like Tokyo Sing Song I think normal capacity is like 150 people yeah um, and there's like you allowed 50 people in there it was like a very long line because it's limited yeah. capacity but once you got down there you weren't allowed to buy any drinks so yeah, you, couldn't, you couldn't drink on the dance floor yeah you couldn't yeah. drink on the dance floor so like people would get down like I've waited in line for an hour and a half I'm gonna get a beer or whatever they want to drink yeah. and they'd be like you can't do that you've got to line up to get upstairs then line up to get back down here and they're like what the hell well, I might as well dance. And yeah. So, like, no one was sitting down. If you wanted to sit down and relax, then you'd just go out. So yeah, it, leave. It was, it was really great energy. And, like, you just get the best, the best combination of blow-ins in Newtown. Like, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful seeing the cauldron at its best. Yeah. Sometimes it can be hideous. But, um, yeah. 
the yeah. energy. So like just, I don't know, walking around Sydney recently, everyone's getting maybe a little bit frustrated. Yeah. It's taken a while to get back to life. Like just, it's just cause it, like if there was a, another break, a breakout. Yeah. It'd be the worst. Everyone, everyone instantly would be like, well then let's just, let's react to that. Yeah. And walk down, just be smart and quick about it. But like if there's, you know, if the sentiment is that there's not none out there, which kind of feels like it. Yeah. It would be cool if things were a bit more open. Yeah. If you could stand and dance with friends, um, not just pretend to have a wedding so 30 people can dance in time. Why don't we get married and then... Yeah, I mean... In a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> with 30 people, though, that's the, that's the crux yeah, of it. Yeah, so 30 crazy. people dance for that can rotate. Yeah. Like, these rules, they kind of... I can understand where they're coming from, but, like, sometimes they feel a bit silly. Yeah. We should be there soon. I just like the positive, the general... People are so keen. Yeah, excitedness oh, now. I remember like... being able to see people for the first time. Yeah. Like, being in a room full of people. I think it was like 20 people dancing. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I'm... Yeah, we're back. Yeah. And we weren't quite back. Yeah, but like, <laughs> just the, in terms of just like the energy and the... Yeah. Even like having a positive outlook. Like, yeah. I just needed the first instances of a house party or like even just like a guy sitting in a backyard with 15 mates just like sometimes that's what you need. yeah and that that really was like okay we'll be Jay here like one thing i noticed when i when i went down to melbourne uh i kind of luckily skipped the lockdown uh up here yeah went to melbourne with, uh, to see my family for christmas and um going out there just like you could you could hear how the sound has progressed like yeah. since since things locked down yeah and it's very clear that everyone's been digging pretty goddamn hard like, <laughs> exactly I, yeah I heard, oh my god the songs i've been hearing recently like it's 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 been amazing so like i think it's going to be really cool coming back and like the culture has been moving it's just like no one's been able to yeah. express it and so all the people i know who dj and dig they're kind of they're clued in on like newer amazing deep sounds yeah. um and i think everyone's just fucking so excited to share those and i know that everyone's hungry to live again so that's all going to combine in a very nice way. Yeah, I think so. It's beautiful. It's exciting. Yeah. Morgan Huggins. 53 minutes. Last question. I ask this to everybody. It's an important one. You have to, like, neck nominate or, like, who do you think would be good to come on Parry Talks? Mm. Who would have a good conversation? Ah, oh, who's that? Oh, oh, absolutely. I've, I know exactly who I want to nominate. Uh, her name is Janine. She goes by the name Scaife and Darba on Facebook. Oh, yes, she of course. Runs, uh, she everyone. runs a party called Ghostly. And she's like, she's just full of wisdom. Sydney Fun Club. Yeah, she, she's got a lot of things to say. Um, and and people need to hear it because she's, you know, she cares about the scene. She's put a lot of effort into yeah. it. And I just think, you know. Scaife. Yeah. That's, that's without, without a doubt, that's who you should have on. Parry Talks, thanks for listening. Go buy the EP. Get to a Love Joe party when they start coming out. Listen to Nomad Radio. Listen, you know, just do all the right things. Yeah. Be a nice person. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Woo!